right, all right. Another episode of I'm with RJ, and we're in a special place today. Claire, where are we? Vegas, baby, Vegas. Yes, we are in Vegas. We are in Vegas, and joined today by Happy Hour Beverage Crew. Is that fair to say? They're correct me when I want to screw anything up here. We are at MJ Unpacked. This is our first interview from the floor. Uh, we'll be doing a series of interviews today and tomorrow, featuring a number of different brands, executives as usual, and covering the future of the space here today with a new product that's going to be launching in Michigan. So Lisa Hurwitz, Joe Reynolds, tell us a little bit about the 60-second elevator pitch of what Happy Hour is about and let people know sort of who you are top level and then we'll dive into the details. Happy is a microdose beverage, two and a half milligrams of THC. It's a sparkling water that's vegan. comes in an 8.4 ounce slim can, sold in four packs, and we are the first of these beverages in the state of Michigan. Oh, wow, very cool. Past life, some cannabis experience there, so let's just get that on the table for the listeners so they know background a little bit about both of you or at least Yeah, RJ, thanks for that. So I come from the consumer packaged goods world. I'm a marketer by background. I'm the president of Happy Now. And just prior to joining Happy, I was the chief marketing officer of Grassroots Cannabis, a multi-state operator, 12 states. We sold the business in July of 2020 to Cureleaf. So it's really fascinating being on the multi-state operator side and then going to the brand side where now we're developing a brand and a formulation and we're actually looking for licensed partners in different states to actually manufacture the product and deliver it. So kind of a real full circle in the cannabis industry, which has been cool. And I think that's sort of like what it takes at the end of the day to make it, right? Is to be able to see it from different previews and, and to understand like, how do I build a relationship with a manufacturer? How do I get into a retailer? And so I, I think that's probably something that you see an advantage of in, in this new product? Yeah, absolutely. One of the great things is we're not going to hold any licenses for Happy. So we're going to partner state by state. And I think the other big piece for Happy that's really important is we're very much looking at Midwest to East Coast. As Joe said, first market in Michigan. There are a lot of infused beverages on the market in California. Most of them are only in California. And that's a very crowded, complicated market. So we feel really good about these kind of more highly regulated markets. Michigan, and we're looking at kind of Massachusetts, East Coast, yeah. Illinois. Illinois as well. So it's exciting to be on this side of it and also be able to develop a beverage in what is really kind of new markets, new cannabis markets, where Joe and I spent a lot of time on this. They're like, wait a minute, you can drink cannabis? <laughs> like, it's, you know, us in the industry, we're so close to it. But the idea that it can come in a whole new form factor that's really like perfect for a happy hour, as you said, yeah. RJ, earlier, or perfect just to replace a glass of wine. You know, it's our flavors range from 15 to 25 calories. So it's really a great kind of alcohol alternative. Totally. So do you see the expansion of lounges playing a big factor in sort of the, the rollout, if you will? Yeah, I think we're starting to see more of those pop up in Michigan, hopefully over the years, and we'll continue to yeah. move in that direction. And we're hopeful that Happy will be sold the next couple of years at festivals and yep. even maybe at professional sporting events or concerts. Totally. Being from the East Coast and seeing what New York is kind of leading this charge, not only with the lounges, but just in a lot of different ways. I mean, three ounces as the limit of possession. California is still an ounce, you know, we right. went backwards in California, right? It's crazy to see, at least from the intention setting, how progressive, like you said, the middle of the country, the eastern part of the country is, despite having kind of a weird history, if you will, of cannabis. Like you said, we can drink this, like you're in Michigan and you don't know that you can drink cannabis. In Cali, we've been drinking cannabis since I got here, you know what I mean? Right. So it's a very interesting dichotomy within a U.S. market. And so I think maybe that's something that plays into your hand of not holding licenses is sort of the ability 
to move around to wherever you see the opportunity. We can choose the right partners for us. So I think there's some other brands that have paved the way with this type of model, like Tijuana Brands, for example, right? I mean, they just had an amazing announcement this past week. And Nancy's a friend and colleague of mine. And I just think, you know, being able to have an amazing brand and we get so much incredible feedback on Happy and then have the formulation, but be able to partner with the right people to bring it to market. So the quality of the processors we're working with, the quality of their distribution, picking the states where we feel like the consumer is going to be the right fit and there's less competition. I mean, Michigan's a massive cannabis market and to be first to market with a whole new form factor, we worked closely with the regulatory association. Michigan's the most highly regulated market in the country right now. You know, a few tidbits for you guys, they require GMP certification to be in process in the Mm. facilities, which is leading towards the CPG world, right? Like what a AB InBev would do or Diageo. And so what's really exciting for us is to have that sort of torture test of a market where we have to make this beverage consistently with these high standards, I think sets us up for the future of where beverage could go when the bigger kind of consumer packaged goods companies come into the space and really start to look at it. So it's exciting for us. Going with that, Michigan is a crazy market thing right now. Obviously, there's a huge amount of traction, a huge amount of money pouring in, a lot of consolidation, crazy things happening. Are you seeing that sort of excitement around the product from the retailers that are out in in Michigan? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, It's been really fun to see. As we've announced Happy's coming, we've got so much great feedback. Also, different dispensaries through the state are very excited to carry the product. Uh, So right now, we're fortunate we have a wait list. We'll figure out how to produce a little faster. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there are a lot more, like, worse problems to have, right? Yeah. Then how do I make more stuff well, faster? And you Michigan's know? a fascinating market. It's a tough retail market because there's so many dispensaries, yep. you know, and it's very competitive. But then if you flip it over to a wholesale market and you look at the amount of points of distribution that we could have for Happy, I mean, it's amazing. There's so many dispensaries. And if we could get Happy into 75, 80% of those, which is the plan yep. with our partner, that's a great model. Yes. Yeah. Once sure. you guys launch, will we see, like, Happy refrigerators? dispensaries you know like your own like little beverage and uh, and a vial style yeah yeah definitely we actually launched last week so we are live in Michigan now very cool the other thing we did which has been really fun is we created a happy camper so we had this VW bug and it was a happy camper and it went around and we did THC free sampling so people could actually try the beverage obviously without the THC and it just for flavor profile and get a sense of kind of what we were creating and that created a ton of excitement with the dispensaries as well did that impact any of sort of your decision making at all or did you look at that in from a feedback loop standpoint where did you see any one flavor is more preferential to, to another or anything like that there's two that run neck and neck it's amazing people have just different taste levels right totally. some people like some flavors other people like others but right now our lemon which is our signature flavor people really like the lemon and they love the raspberry those seem to be the two that most often come up but we're excited because over kind of the november thanksgiving time frame we're introducing a new flavor on the market which is pomegranate which will go with new york turkey dinner right. so right. <laughs> Very cool. That sort of leads me into asking a question. How did you go about deciding on formulation and flavors? And, and was that something that was done internally and then you brought it to a partner? Did you, did you kind of lean on your partner to do that? And what does that kind of look like in your shop? Yeah, it was really a team effort. Started with some basic research and brought in a food scientist and a flavor house that helped through the process. And really, it took about six months to, to really hone into the flavor profiles that we were looking for. And uh, there were over 200 different iterations Wow, that's pretty crazy. It must have been something to sample all of those. Yeah. <laughs> and it's funny because as Joe and I were walking over to sit down and talk to you guys, we're always coming up with new flavors. Sure. We're thinking about seasonality yeah, and, and how you're going to drink this. And so we were just talking about our newest that's in R&D right now, starting to sample that and play around with it. 
give you the trade secrets later. Same, same. We turn this thing off. Yeah, exactly. The real conversation. <laughs> as often happens on the I'm With RJ show, the details happen at the end, I feel like. But. Yeah, so is there anything you guys are doing beyond just making revenue and stuff like that? Yeah, so we're partnered with the Black and Brown Canvas Guild of Michigan, and women founded, and that was really important to us. Part of our kind of give back is all happy merchandise. That's for sale on our website, by the way. All the proceeds will go to that organization. And we participated in an expungement event with them this summer. Denavia, the founder, were close with her. And again, it was important because happy is, while it's totally unisex and great for everybody, we know women are just really craving this microdose product in a form factor that they can replace their glass of wine. So we felt like partnering with a female-founded company was really important for us. Yeah, that's awesome. I think that's something that is going to really revolutionize the talent space in cannabis as people experience products like yours are in a professional traditional supply chain, especially women realizing that there are products for me. This isn't just about big bags of meat and blunts and all this stupid stuff. Like there's a real industry here with real products that work for me. I think those are the kind of things that are going to change the sort of makeup of the way business is done, right? My two cents, but. Yeah, and you know what's interesting too is edibles, like that's what's available now. And I think while it's amazing and it's great for things like sleep and others, it's tough in a social situation to figure out what to do with an edible because it hits people differently 30 minutes to an hour. You take an edible, do you sit there and wait while everybody else is having a beer or a wine or a cocktail? And how does that kind of work? How is it going to hit me? Do I take one or two? The great thing about Happy is it's 12 to 15 minute onset. So it's very fast. It gets metabolized differently. And it's very social. You can be sipping that Happy just like you would a cocktail or a glass of wine and know how it's hitting you. So you really feel like you're participating in the social experience instead of sort of taking an edible and sitting on the sidelines, which I think has been what most women who tend to be a little bit more smoke averse than men have been doing in the cannabis space today. I'm a flower and hash person through and through. I love every product. I came out of the medicinal world in California. We both take THCA every day and are very big, you know, components of people using THCA for any number of things. But even from that sort of, you know, being okay with the social smoking, I don't mind lighting up in a group of people who aren't smoking, but there's definitely that sort of stigma for me just to be like, okay, now I have to go outside to smoke while the rest of you are, are here. And I drink as much tequila as the next person does. <laughs> I also feel like I drink a lot because I don't have happy in front right. of me, right? I think it's going to be very interesting. I think you're absolutely right that it's a sort of a female consumer, probably going to be like a 60, 40 at the end of the day. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I think that's what we're seeing. We're even watching men kind of buy it, say, oh, it's for my wife or my girlfriend or my sister, but then they suddenly sneaking it themselves because, you know, that scotch that they're having or whatever. I mean, this is, you know, 20 calories and it adds up and they can get that kind of light buzz. Yeah, there's definitely a push on the male side from, I think, a calorie perspective, just that health concept perspective away from craft beer and into seltzers. And again, to be even healthier at the end of the day. I think that's going to appeal to a lot of men at the end of the day. Yeah, we do too. And and I think you probably are aware there's this big sort of sober curious movement going on. I would say from like a macro consumer perspective too, as we're looking at the marketing and we're looking at where to go, you know, there's sober October, there's dry January. A lot of people are looking for an excuse to cut back on alcohol. And even with the pandemic, a lot of people drank way more and are now looking at their drinking habits and saying, how do I become healthier? 
I mean, now more than ever, people want that face-to-face socialization. So how do I do it in a way where I'm not going to feel hungover in the morning, but I can still participate? And we feel like happy and celebrating your own personal happy hour is the way to let people participate. That's great. Cool. Do people ever make, like, mocktails? Do people mix it and create their own drinks with it? Or do they typically just drink it out of the Usually out of the can, yeah. uh, but we have heard people make their own yeah. cocktails yeah. and create with it too. Yeah. That, that could be a fun sort of social media push, like what's your happy recipe? Right, you right. Know? Yeah, we're going to start to do some user-generated content now that it's yeah. really on the market, and I think that's a big one is recipes. Food pairings is another one yeah. we're really yeah, totally. excited about. Because again, like you can't really pair an edible with food, but you can pair a drink, you know, yeah. like a wine pairing. This is like right. a whole new world that's pretty... Cool. And that's why cannabis has been illegal as long as it has been because Diageo, I'm sure a big player, everyone is already involved in some fun somewhere as it stands or somebody's son is invested somewhere. We all know that. But you hit the nail on the head, like the whole Cali Sober idea, the push to be healthier, obviously is why seltzer hit in the alcohol space. And you're going to continue to erode that sort of drunken buffoon mentality that I think existed in America for unfortunately a long time. So I think it's really cool to see that shift away from that for us to hopefully get into being a more conscious society and getting away from the vice that is alcohol. And the biggest challenge for us, I think, is education. Again, we talked about how in Michigan being first to market means telling people you can actually drink cannabis like at its very base. But again, I think there's still a stigma. And when you go into these new states like New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, the East Coast, like there's still a stigma and those are going to take a long time to come down and having it in a healthy beverage that feels comfortable for people is going to help with that education and that stigma. You know, we were just talking about concentrates and like, you know, that's the opposite end of the spectrum, right? And that signals like heavy drug use. This signals a healthier way to socialize. It's again, like the sort of diversity of these products, whereas like alcohol is like, there's one end game of alcohol, you're drunk. It's like, if you want to go be the concentrate guy in the corner with your puff go, cool. But if you want to be social and, and have happy, it's a totally different experience at the end of the day, but it's all cannabis, which right. is really cool. What do you guys think about federal legalization? Do you see it coming? Are you preparing for that mentality? Are you looking at more state by state? What do you see in 2022 from the federal standpoint? Uh, right now we're operating state by state. I'm just thinking about it in that way. Hopefully we're getting close here. We're just focused state by state for now. I mean, I think like many others, we expect to see the Safe Banking Act pass first, right? I think now that it's part of the defense spending bill, I think hopefully that will help push that forward. But as Joe said, I mean, we're really focused on our business. We're working on a second state, which is going to be on the East Coast, cool. having some really good discussions there and just getting happy out to as many people as possible. It's kind of interesting to have federal legalization looming. There's so much opportunity before that happens. And we feel like we've got this great runway where beverages are still such a tiny percentage of the overall cannabis market. And again, so much education to be had that we want to really take advantage in the brand happy, the idea of a happy hour and making people happy. And like, it's just an upbeat brand. And that's what we wanted to plan, especially coming out of 18 months of COVID. People have been very unhappy. Right? So to bring a new kind of happy hour and just take advantage of state expansion even before legalization. We're excited about the runway. Oh, yeah. Cool. We're in Vegas. 
So how's the sort of run of conference stuff gone so far? Anything that you're looking to achieve here? Or, I don't know. Let's talk Vegas. Like, so much going on, I feel like. You yeah, know, so, yeah. Yeah. yeah, we've had a great time so far. Uh, we were at MJ VizCon yesterday, and cool. we're going to be here the next couple of days, jam packed. Yep. And uh, we've had great conversations with a variety of different people in the industry. Totally. Uh, was VizCon yeah. busy yesterday? When, when we were there, it was very yeah. busy. It's crazy how many people are here. It, yeah. It, it really, I really was like, there's not going to be anybody here. And there's so many people in Vegas right now. It's very cool to see everybody back out doing this again. Like, we've recorded almost 80 episodes of this show, and we've done maybe three in person. Wow. And so we started as an event company pre-COVID, and now we're doing 80 podcast episodes in the course of a year. It's crazy what we've had to do to survive, but it's also, it's been a great incubation period. And I, I think you probably saw that as well. Yeah, and one of the funny things Joe and I were talking about last night is just, you see people on Zoom, and you see them from like the chest up right. and then you meet them in person and they're either taller or shorter they have a mask on and a lot of these events are very COVID safe here yeah. with masks and so for me this is the first big conference in 18 months so just to see on a human level how much like the world has changed and how you have to have you know, these different interactions, but it's just there's so much more intimacy when people are in person. It's just, it's been really refreshing to be here. Yeah. Really laughing because when I was waiting in line, I won't say who we ran into, because we ran into a couple people, so I won't identify anyone, but I, I had that same thought. I was like, I've only seen you on Zoom. This is not what I expected yeah. you to look like. <laughs> it's <laughs> but, really funny. Yeah, it's really funny. Having to be like, hey, it's me. Even though I have a mascot, you have to self-identify so people know that you're who you are. It's exactly. Such a, we're still such in like that bridge of getting off of this COVID island, but it's so nice to be back in person, and uh, it's great to have conversations like these. So what other things should we impress upon the listeners about Happy or about your journeys? Like Lisa said, we're hopeful to be in more states, so we are actively working on expanding the brand. Uh, we'll be, we are in Michigan now, but look for Happy in other states in 2022. Sweet. Very cool. Yeah, and I would say the only other thing is, we're just really excited about the innovation in this space too. We haven't talked as much about it. It was a microdose 2.5 milligrams. There's a lot of trends in terms of like sleep and, you know, CDN, THCD, like all sorts of minor cannabinoids. Um, so in addition to really innovating on flavor profiles, which we're looking forward to, also innovating in terms of like minor cannabinoids and formulation, we really feel like Happy is a platform and we're going to stick to a, a microdose beverage. That's really our vision for this brand. And we just feel like there's so much opportunity that, you know, is in front of us to play with so much of the science and research that's out there. So that's exciting. It's great to hear that you're looking at minor cannabinoids. Like that's definitely I think where this is headed. We had a networking event last night and I was talking to a female investor who was like, I just don't understand why I can't, I can customize my shampoo, but I can't customize my hot. And like, how do I get to pick my terpenes and, and how do I get to make the concentrate or whatever I want to my needs? I think that may be a long way off of customizing your high, but I think it's something where from a CPG standpoint, we need to be conscious of like what beyond just the flavor profile can these things do and how do we then market and who we market these things too. And, and again, that goes back to the education that you mentioned earlier. Yeah, exactly. And there's so much that's going to grow up around the beverage industry, co-packing models. Yep. Like I would say the other thing we didn't talk about is it's very difficult because there aren't traditional co-packers. So we've had people come from the big beverage companies and say, well, who are you working with as a co-packer in Michigan? That model, that's like a traditional beverage model, co-packing and distribution. And that whole infrastructure isn't really built out. It's starting to be in California. Like California leads the way usually on most things. 
things, but it hasn't been developed in the Midwest to East Coast. So that's another, just watching like ancillary businesses start to pop up too is pretty exciting um, because in the consumer packaged goods industry, you know, white label manufacturing and kind of co-manufacturing is obviously like a backbone of the industry. Um, but in cannabis, because of the way the licenses work and the states are all different, it's a very patchwork quilt. And so I think there's going to be some real business opportunities in that space coming up too, which is insane. I know we touched on it earlier in terms of the formulation concepts and whatnot, but it's such a, I don't want to use the word challenging, but it's got to be challenging. Like you said, there isn't just a bottle of co-packing. You can't just call somebody and say, here's my recipe, go make this drink. It doesn't work that way. We often wish for that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure I, a lot of people, including myself, <laughs> wish it was that easy on, on a lot of different products, but it definitely is like, like you said, patchwork, right? I mean, that, that must be the approach that I assume you're taking. A lot of people ask us, would you look at MSO relationships or single state operators? And I think we're open to both. Right now in Michigan, our partner's a single state operator. We're looking at kind of both models for yeah. expansion. Having worked inside a big MSO for many years, I think there's definitely pros and cons, right? Speed to market, but there's also ease of working with a single state operator is sometimes just easier because it's one state versus you know 10 to 12 so i think that's really the focus obviously getting happy in more stores and more hands in the michigan market and then very quickly pivoting to east coast and other midwestern states and roll out but yeah that's really probably the next six months we're going on it's a very interesting dichotomy or, or juxtaposition between MSOs and single state operators because you, you may have a better business relationship with a smaller, less profitable company at the end of the day as a single state operator versus an MSO that, you know, go back to that patchwork term, like there's a licensed version of this state and there's a head of person in that state who doesn't talk to the head of person in this other state. I mean, at the end of the day, the MSO is really just a fragmented thing. You're not making a single deal. You're making eight deals because they're in eight states versus you have a very tried and true single state operator and so does that sort of play into the sort of process of yeah and again coming from consumer packaged goods that industry has been around for so many years like there's standard SOPs in every facility every manufacturing facility and it, it just is very different but you're right the whole MSO world there's just been so much M&A over the years and integration is part of that how do you integrate all these different entities these different states and the regulations are completely different right so I actually worked in an international role for Kimberly Clark for many years and it's almost more like dealing with different countries because the states have different regulations. They have different language requirements, different marketing requirements. Everything is very different. And so it's hard for these MSOs to try to standardize their operations while they're still acquiring new companies, trying to get more licenses, standardize their operations, manage all the compliance and regulatory pieces in every single state, and oftentimes do it without you know the experience that these big hundred-year-old CPG companies have, right? So I think sometimes with the single state operators, it is just simpler because they know their state, they know the regulators and the regulations, and you can work with them kind of more intimately. The MSOs, they have their, they have their hands full. You're trying to scale while trying to optimize, while trying to control. It's like, what are we doing here? You can't do all of that stuff at one time unless you had a huge team. And there's just not the capital of cannabis to have a 2,000 person team. You have a 400 person team, the job of a thousand people in essence in, in cannabis right now. My day job is running a supply chain visibility platform in this space. Like we see that all of the time. One state is really excited about it and is using it. Once they, they hate you, and yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> aren't you part of all the same organization? Didn't some C level executive call me and tell me? 
you wanted to do this and like where's the top down and it's like we have so many things to do we can't possibly get a top down initiative going here but so let's let's wrap it up let's do media shout outs where people can find your websites all that good stuff yes you can find us on instagram at happy hour drink happy with an eye that's a really important one happyhourdrink.com is also our website you can go there for locations in michigan and i'm lisa at happyhourdrink.com i'm joe at happyhourdrink.com feel free to email us we'd love to hear from you and uh we'd love for you to come to michigan and try the product i could use a couple happies right now yeah <laughs> but i was last night was a little bit rough so i yeah, think i need a little bit <laughs> Lisa Joe, happy hour beverage. Thanks so much for being here. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Sounds great. Thanks, cool. Thanks so much. All right.